First Samuel. We were been in Second uh, uh, Kings for a while. I'm just going to go kind of more towards the beginning. First Samuel 16, verse one. Then the Lord said to Samuel, How will you mourn for Saul? How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him, and they asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at our outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadad, and he had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by, and Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one, and had the seven of his sons passed before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all your sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. And so he sent and he had him brought in and he was ruddy and with a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And Samuel went on from there to Ramah. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that is always not just truth, but true. True for us. Help us to see this day the truth that you want. Not in some way that we gain information. And there's no way that we could see that in this message. What you're looking for is transformation. Move us. Change us. Let us begin or let us continue on with where we need to be in you and with you. Open our eyes, Jesus, to see. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I've got some special congregational uh, things right here. Wow. You guys sitting in the back row look really far away. I don't see how you could possibly ever hear me that far back. I mean, it's hard to even see you. You guys are so far away. It's just, you know, oh, wait a minute. I'm looking at this the wrong way, right? I need to change the way I'm looking at this. Okay. Oh, whoa, whoa. Now I see you. By the way, um, yeah, you, you know, and just a little, just saying, I can really see you right now. You know, 
So how do we look at people? Which lens are we looking through? Because there's definitely people that seem to have it turned around in such a way that, you know, everybody just kind of looks smaller and insignificant, unimportant. And then there are those who turn it the other way, like this. And when they look at people, people seem bigger than they really are. Bigger than they really are, either in a way that exalts that person beyond what should be, or in a way that exposes the flaws of that person, if you know what I mean. How are we looking at people? Do we need to change the way we look? You know, we have a problem today. We have a problem today in the way we are seeing others. In this general current of divisiveness that is just getting stronger in our society and has been going on for many, 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 many years. We are looking with prejudgmentalism seasoned with bitterness and even hate. And often from a pride of seeing ourselves as better than another person or seeing ourselves as more right. And maybe it's not really that, it's just that we see them as wrong. And bad, which then leads to words and actions that certainly are done in the flesh and not in the spirit. And please don't limit what I'm saying to only things that deal with politics because it is way broader than that. Just even in everyday life, it's happening on all sides of the river, so to speak. And the question is are we going to go with the flow or are we going to swim upstream? And if so, how do we do that? How do we know which way to go? Uh, how do we know which way to, to turn it around and to look? Well, the first thing we do is we get rid of the binoculars, so to speak. We get rid of the way that we've been looking. It doesn't matter which way you turn this. You're not going to see people in the right way. Instead, we need different Lenses, new glasses, so to speak. And said, we need to get God's glasses. To get God's 2020 vision, if you will. To see through God's eyes. And if our eyes will see different, it will lead us to be different. And if we are led to be different, then it will lead us to do different, to make a difference. To see the world through God's eyes. Getting God's vision. This is our theme for 2020. I've been wanting to get at this for a while. Uh, but the Lord had different plans as He went through in many of the messages. But for this year, to work through this. And, and I, I, this is the calling that I believe He wants us to focus on in, in this year. And obviously, you know, if you've been with us, it's not the only thing that we go over in a year. There are many other things. But this is a, an area to emphasize, to really grow in, to specifically together grow in, for the Lord to change us so that we can change the world around us. Uh, you may recall before I've shared about how our long-term focus needs to be a church that is pressing upward 
pressing inward and pressing outward. And the fact is, as we look at the last couple years, if it's been a couple years, I lose track. The last couple years we've seen where we have had a theme that is focused on pressing up, pressing up into the presence of God. We've also had the theme of pressing in, not only with one another, but with ourselves and how that needs to change and grow by fighting for joy last year. Now this year, it's about getting God's vision. It's about seeing the world through God's eyes. In a sense, this is the out, looking outward, beyond ourselves, looking out, looking at where God wants us to reach and impact lives. We have an example of this kind of scene through God's eyes in our passage this morning. You see part of the verse in Samuel right up there. There are two questions that we need to consider in regards to this. And the first question is this. Are we looking through God's eyes at those near to us? Are we looking at God's eyes on those near to us? This passage is obviously pointing towards David being chosen as king. That's a huge thing. But what do those who are near David see him as? Specifically his family. I mean, look in our chapter verse 16, or chapter 16 of 1 Samuel. In verse 5, Samuel said, Yes, I've come in peace. I've come to sacrifice. Consecrate yourselves and come to sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Samuel comes. There's Jesse. I'm, I'm sacrificing Jesse and his sons. That makes you think that that's all of his sons. But we know David wasn't there. For as we read a little later. But the impression was, here's what he's got. This is, this is, this, these are my sons. These are the ones that are consecrated. As far as Samuel knew. Until a little bit later in verse 11, he had to ask... Are these all the sons you have? And the answer was kind of like, well, um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess so. We got the baby of the family, right? He's out watching the animals. David didn't count because he wasn't counted in. Because he was being seen through human eyes, not God's eyes, seen through even those who were close to him as just this little baby brother really wasn't that important other than probably they felt got his way more times because that's what happens with the baby of the family. You know, maybe they kind of had an opinion about that all. But instead of at least letting David come and eat together, at least let David come and sit at the kids' table, right? No, they didn't even invite him to come and sit at the kids' table. You get to stay out there. Out in the field, out where you belong, tending sheep. He didn't belong with them. And, and they didn't even think about the possibility of asking David as this important man of God came to visit, which is rare. Now, there's a lot of focus, especially in those days. And, and let's be, you know, to some degree, let's be fair. There's a lot of focus in those days of the privilege of the firstborn. Considering how many brothers he had, we read through uh, all those seven brothers types of things. Considering that, David was last on the list, way down. That there was any importance or anything that was going to happen with him, I mean, he's way down there. 
And they were probably thinking that to some degree. Well, that didn't mean he didn't matter to God, but, you know, there's seniority in their mind. There's priority given to someone that's older. You know, this is just the way we do things in our society. This is just the way things are. This is just what makes sense. Doesn't everybody look at it that way? I mean, come on. And that's the wrong question. That's the wrong question we're asking ourselves. Does, is, doesn't everybody look at it this way? Doesn't everybody look at people like that, those kind of people like that? Doesn't everybody look at their baby brother like that? Doesn't everybody... You know what? That's the wrong question. The question is, how does God look at them? And it's hard to be honest with ourselves because sometimes we are looking down on others because we want to lift ourselves up higher. Instead of looking at where the way God does. We say, well, God's looking down and, you know, we can talk about how and where, all that kind of thing. Well, let's just go with that kind of God's looking down. Guess what? He is so high and where he's looking down, so to speak, that we all look the same size. All right? We're all the same size. How many times do we not see someone as God sees them? Because we don't even look. Either our eyes are closed, or we're so focused on ourselves and our own little world, we do not see the people around us, let alone see them as God does. Even Jesse. Jesse is David's father. He did not see his own son as God saw him. We read in the story of David and Goliath of how uh, David points back as he's getting ready, whether they're going to let him go out there and go after Goliath. We read in the story where David recounts what happened. Here it is in First uh, Samuel chapter 17. And he says, David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. All right? So this is not some other time. This is when he was doing what he was doing that day that Samuel came into town. This is your servant was keeping his father's sheep. Just a shepherd, when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like the one of them because he is defying the armies of the living God. Now, I've got to ask, when did this lion and bear incident happen? You know, did it happen after Samuel came? There's not a lot of time there. How could they not see the strength of character and bravery? Had this already happened? Had this already happened when Samuel came there because God could see the character of them? Had this already happened and his father did not know? that David had killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. Maybe he didn't know, but how could he not know that? Or did he know that's what his son did and still did not see him as having a place? Still did not see him as important. Still did not see him as someone that God could use. Not see him as God saw him. In some ways, it's not just that they didn't see David through God's eyes. They just, like I said, they just didn't even see. They didn't even look. How many people around us 
even those who are close to us, that we rub our lives up against, that we don't even look at them. It's like maybe even we're just looking looking right through them, even though they're standing in front of us. We don't think about like the waitress or the the people at the grocery store or some other place of business, for example. And I'm not just talking about those who work there, but others who are just kind of there shopping, being a part. We're in our own little world. Our eyes don't not just don't see as God does, but we just don't look. Having our eyes open to notice, to see as God does. To recognize the struggles and to see the things that go unrecognized, like the strengths. And having our eyes open sometimes and seeing that, we say, Well, I don't know what to say to somebody. I don't know what, I don't know what, you know, and I can kind of see there's something. You know, sometimes it can be just as simple and one of the greatest. Gifts is not some special word or some special action that you're going to do, but just go and say, I see you. I'm not saying those are literal literal words, but, you know, because you're probably going to be like, you know, standing in front of them, I see you. You I want you to hear what I'm trying to say is to just communicate in such a way. Hey, hi there. How's it going today? Looking at them. By just something simple saying, I see you. And then to recognize that we need to see them as God sees them. Even for those that we do look at and we do see, uh, how are we looking at them as God looks at them? And I'm thinking about those people that extra grace is required. They are maybe a little... Annoying? Irritating? You, you know what I mean? The kind of people, they're just a little irritating. Although, do you ever notice how we blame them instead of taking responsibility for our own feelings and our own impatience and our own lack of love? But nonetheless, they're just a little hard to take at times. You see them as someone you're not, at least today, completely thrilled to see. Do you see them as burdens at times? When this is the one that God is burdened for when he looks at them. Do you see them as his blessing? Do we see as God sees that 2020 vision, that 2020 vision like Jesus had in so many different places. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, when Jesus landed and he saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What do we see? How do we see? Are we looking through eyes of love? Do we see someone who was created by God and not just created by God, but created in the image of God? The Imago Dei, as the Latin says, the image of God as as it speaks of in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. 
on the screen here. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them in his image. And it's not just this part of Genesis, but you read later in chapter 5, verse 1, this is the written account of Adam's line, family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. In chapter 9, verse 6 of Genesis, whoever sheds human blood by human shall their blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made mankind. We are all created in the image of God. It sets us apart from the animals. And, and while there are those who would like to talk about how we've evolved or how we have genetic similarities to certain kinds of animals, in the end, in the end of all those kind of arguments, it comes down to what the Word of God tells us and is that is there is a distinctive difference and that difference is don't have to argue about all the science. The difference is we have been created in the image of God. None of the other animals were. Of course, when you stop believing in God, when you choose that God doesn't exist, then there's no way that you can think that someone is created in God's image because God doesn't exist. And so therefore, to determine somebody's worth in this life, to determine whether somebody's worth looking at and, and, and is important in any way, it's based on whatever. You decide or their contribution, how much money, how much what, what is it? In all of this, it really goes to a, a sanctity of life issue. You know, Psalm 139 verse 14 says this, I am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful i know that full well now that's not two separate sentences i am fearfully and wonderfully made that is a work that god does he makes and your works including are wonderful i know that full well because we are made in the image of god do we see with our own eyes or are we seeing with God's eyes? Do we miss this? When we look at people just on the outside with human eyes, I, I can think of a, <clears throat> a couple of uh, much older ladies because I know some of us, so I say older ladies, some of you say, I mean, these were much older ladies uh, at a church that I had pastored. Uh, two different ones, by the way. <clears throat> Anyway, when I was first there and you're getting up to preach, uh, many a Sunday, they would be in the back row. I mean, the back, very back. And we, the, that place had pews, so uh, be in the back pew. And they would be looking right at me, not asleep. But I'm not sure they blinked. And they just kind of didn't move, just kind of looked, no expression, no, no, no talk, no, just kind of, well, there was an expression. 
It really looked like a real frown on their face, and occasionally they folded their arms. You know, you know who I'm talking about, or, 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 or do we? It could be easy to assume that these older church ladies were just bitter, critical, negative, and they didn't really care for me. Not that that bothered me, because I probably figured they probably didn't care for anybody. Right? Didn't care about, they were this way to everybody, and at least I wasn't married to them. So, but I'm kind of joking about that because the reality was I did think better of them than that. I didn't really think that. I thought better of them. But to be honest, I can't really say that I thought God's best of them. I thought better than to try to judge in that way. But did I think God's best Or just jump on the judgment of something that was a little better? Was I, was I seeing with really the best human eyes I could? Or was I seeing with God's eyes that see the best? So clearly. And for both of those ladies, their hearts were so clearly for Him. So near to Him. And I began to realize that perhaps maybe some of the things that I was reading, first of all, was that I was looking at the outside... And what they look like. And some of it had to do with the culture that they were raised in. That you don't publicly express yourself. And really in a way where they came from. That's not something you publicly express in any way. It's just kind of neutral. And maybe the whole frown, you know, and, and coming to realize, you know, the whole frown thing is just how God has aged them. It has nothing to do with how they're personally trying to do that. It's just the beauty lines that God has given may look that way. But instead, recognizing that as I got to know them, not only was their heart for God, their heart was for me. Here were ladies who you would think they were my greatest fans. Constantly saying something that's encouraging, sending cards and notes, not just on Pastor Appreciation Month, you know, making things for me, even things that I might like, you know, uh, not not that I don't, but then, you know, it's like people make pecan pies or something, you know, some of my favorites, learning what that is, or, or just, you know, keep it in mind, just constantly. Because they were even greater followers of God. Are we looking at people? And maybe we're not judging them and it's not a negative thing. But are we seeing the best because we're looking through God's eyes? What lens are we looking at people? Uh, as, we, as we think about this, there's some question about whether those who were near to David here were seeing through God's eyes. Uh, they didn't see that way. It really seems that way. But... Even more important is after David was anointed, Samuel did the anointing. It doesn't really say what happened, but this whole thing about they sanctify themselves before the whole service was sort of something that was sacred and special before God. I mean, David being out in the fields was more than likely things that were going on out there and things that would happen, he run against. He was somebody who would really need to be sanctified. Did they say, okay, and now David gets sanctified? It's fair. You know, his dad said, hey, we, we need to make sure that you're sanctified in this. No, no, no. 
And I don't really know what happened, but as you read this, my picture is those who are close to David still did not see him as God sees him even after the anointing. And that David just went back to the field. It's kind of like, you know, somebody that, uh, uh, with the Super Bowl. You know, hey, David, son of Jesse, you just won the Super Bowl. Where are you going? And he says, I'm going to the fields to watch sheep. Yeah, just anointed king, I'm going to the fields to watch sheep. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just how are people looking? Those who were close to him who should have known, who should have seen, did not see. But that, we need to move on from that to how are we looking at people in, in the, those who are not close to us? To those who are, that second point, are we looking through God's eyes at those who are farther from us? You may have caught this whole 2020 illustration as I'm trying to think about that there are those of us who are nearsighted and those who are farsighted and those who are both sighted. I don't know. You know, we got uh, bifocals. You know, you can't see far, you can't see near, those kind of things. Well, that's the way as we think about us looking at people. It's and are nearsighted, so to speak, and are near looking at those, how do we see them, but also those that are farther away. Are we seeing clearly what that is? And, and as we look at the passage, Samuel was a perfect example of somebody who was far away, farther from the family, didn't really know them, didn't have anything other than God said, go see Jesse. And, and he went there. And Samuel was a prophet. There's somebody who, who had it all together. Here's somebody who knew, should have known better. And God even said, go the one I tell you. That's the one. Samuel didn't have to be distracted by all the things of, the, of David's past when he was a kid and the things he did that family never lets you forget. Right? You know, Samuel wasn't... He was different from all of those. But he was also different from David. Different in age. Different in... in how he would have been perceived with God. You know, David's just this little boy who tends sheep. This is the great prophet of a country. It would have been viewed as completely different on so opposite sides of the fence almost. But Samuel, this man of God, gets to the house. And in verse 6, when, he, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. Bingo! There he is. Big guy, tall guy, firstborn. Got it. Where's the... That was easy button. You know? This is good. We, he's got it. <laughs> Except God says no. And he goes down through each and every one. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, if it's all no... You said there was somebody was going on. And God says, here's what's going on. Verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The heart. The heart, not that beating organ in our chest, but the heart, meaning the inner man, the mind, the soul, the will. God looks on our heart. He sees the real self. All our thoughts, all our tents, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He sees it all with compassion. He sees the potential of what we are created for. Because we've been created for so much more. The heart 
is really at the heart of who we are with God. The scriptures talk about that heart in Proverbs chapter 4. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. This is what it means. It's talking about the heart. The whole uh, Luke, Jesus also talks about good and bad and it's all in the heart. Samuel didn't know the family or, or what was going on. That doesn't excuse the fact that when he looked, he looked through human eyes. The one who should have known better. The one who God had talked to. The one who had problems with Saul. I mean, think about it. Samuel, if you know anything about the story, Samuel was the one that always having to come and confront King Saul. King Saul was the one that the People's Choice Award got, you know. It is a people's choice. We want him. He was like a head taller than everybody else. He was the man. He was the good one. And this was the one. And Samuel knew that was not really God's choice. Samuel knew that was not the good one. In fact, even just a little bit before this passage here in 1 Samuel, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 13, Samuel's talking to Saul, King Saul. And he says, you have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Now that in itself is just an incredible statement. But think about this. That was chapter 13. Samuel knew and said to Saul, God was looking for a man after his own heart. And when he gets to making the decision and looking at the people who were there at Jesse's heart, what does he do? He doesn't look at the heart. He looks at the outside. He knew better. We know better, like Samuel. But it's hard sometimes to look through God's eyes at those that we really don't know, at those who are different from us, especially those who would differ from us. On the outside, we see people who are not like us, who are different. But what does God see on the inside? What is it that we're missing? Do we judge somebody's worth by how they look on the outside? Not just tall or short or the size of their waist or the size of their wallet. Is it because they're athletic or a couch potato? Is it they're good looking or they look like E.T.? You know, how are they dressed? How do they present themselves? How, and, and not just the physical part, but kind of relations. Do they have a strong personality? Do they have a likable personality? Are they someone that seems friendly? It's all this stuff that we're looking on the outside and how someone presents themselves all the while looking beyond not just the appearances, but what they do or what they don't do. Are we making certain judgments of whether we respect them because of, uh, of what? Of how they think about something? The way they think or the way they don't think like we do? All of this, how are we seeing someone who is different from us? I mentioned earlier about the gift of letting someone know that you see them. Even greater is to say, not just I see you, but I see your heart. I see your heart, the real you. I see you as God sees you. Communicating a whole different message. But sometimes maybe we're not in the hateful speech, but we joke. Joke about someone who is created in the image of God. Someone who is different from us. We've got to look, get to the point where we look at people through God's eyes and feels what God feels for them. 
where our heart hurts as his heart hurts for them. Earlier I mentioned that we could be looking right at people and not seeing them. But this is one of those times where people who are different from us, people who disagree with us, we don't want to see them. We don't really want to look. I I got no time for people like that. Have you heard that before? We don't want to even look, let alone take a step closer to see what God sees, to take a step closer and to apply the second commandment, the second greatest commandment, I should say, to love our neighbors as ourselves. But if they're bad people, and but somebody says if they're bad people and they've got wrong things in their life, if I put on God's glasses, it's not going to change any of those things. And you're right, to some degree. It depends on whether you're actually thinking God's way. But if you are, it's not going to change. So how do you deal with that? How do you look at them? How, how does it go? And we're going to talk about that next week and dealing with God's 2020 vision for those who are difficult to look at. Now, technically, that's our problem, not theirs. But for those that see them as they are, we're going to look at the hard cases, so to speak. And what do you do? How do you handle that? But one thing to keep in mind in all this of what we looked at today is nobody, nobody saw in David what God saw. Nobody saw in David what God saw. And that should not have been. God calls us to go. To be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. He calls us to go. And we need to begin to see through his eyes. To see differently. And then that changes everything about uh, everything around us. And it should change us to be different. And hopefully in such a way that we make a difference in lives. Which is what we are getting at with this whole God's 2020 vision. To see the world through God's eyes. To get us towards the goal this year. To take up the 2020 challenge. And I just want to throw this up here for us is here's the challenge that we would see people as through God's eyes with 20 people that are near and, and we've kind of talked about the holy gets us people are near to us people you know people that you rub shoulders up against people are close to and maybe you're not close to them but you see them quite often people who are near us 20 of those people and 20 people that are far, far, that are farther away from us, that are not, not necessarily distance, but just different in some way from us, different in, in who they are, different in the way they think, different in the uh, way they behave, all those kind of things, types of things. But that we would decide to, to make a difference in that. In a sense, let's think about the first one that we would choose to make God's clear, I'm sorry, that we would choose to make God's love clear with 20 people who are near. Are you with me? That we choose to make God's God's love clear with 20 people who are near. And then we would choose to make a difference with 20 people who are different than us. We'll talk about that more. We'll have stuff out so you can see that on paper, so to speak. But when we do that, when we do that together and we think about the, at least those who are just regulars here uh, on, a, on a regular basis and there are many of you that still are here 
and be a part of this. But if we just put those numbers together, we got 4,800 to 5,000 people that we should be touching their lives this year as a family of God. To join in and say this is what, you know. And I, I don't think there's anybody who can say God doesn't want us to see people as he sees us. That God doesn't want us to reach people and to touch their lives. So here it is. One of the ways that we can help with that, you can help, is us joining together and seek God for the city. The books are out there. They are yours to take. Uh, there's also an app for like a, a couple bucks that you can get for your phone, and I have that. It's handy, uh, and that's kind of on the right side, on this side over here, and do that.